Y'all, nothing beats a healthier ride than a 45-minute spin class at Cycle Bar with you. Y'all know I've been on a journey of health and wellness. My doctor recommended that I do cardio to improve my blood pressure. It's been high and I have hypertension and nothing has worked better than the Cycle Bar West U class. I'm telling you, Cycle Bar has the smart bikes. They will calculate your distance and your calories. The music's great. The vibe is great. The lighting is amazing. And the trainers really want to make you have that amazing experience. I don't know if I mentioned this to you. But if you wanted to, you can ask for your favorite workout songs. They want this to be about you. They want you to have the best experience possible. And by the way, I am letting you know now that they have a new rider three pack for only $49. Amazing. You'll find them at 3233 Southwest Freeway. Or you can also reach out to them at 713-677-0477. And their email is westu at cyclebar.com. Ask for Guillermo. He's going to take care of you. If you don't do anything else for the rest of the day and you do this cycle bar with you class, I'm telling you, you're going to walk out and you're going to feel like a badass. season season seven i am so excited with everyone because you know what we are starting something new we're starting something exciting it's going to be a little bit different and we're going to start with a story <laughs> i love that sound <laughs> well i want to start with the story because you know the topic for today's episode is wellness and health and it's about um uh, it's an episode that I recorded with my doctor, Dr. Sonia Singh, and I've mentioned her before and I've talked to, um, to you all about her. She is an amazing doctor that I found just recently, not very long ago, but I found her because I had gone through years, I think maybe two or three years, feeling severely sick, f- feeling lethargic, feeling like something wasn't right. I kept postponing um, my, my health and my wellness. I think after COVID, I think um, not even before COVID, I was going nonstop. I had my store. I was doing so much. I was, um, you know, at events. I was networking all the time. I remember going to events just thinking, gosh, I just don't want to do this again. And it just seems like, you know, COVID happened and it, it put a pause to all of those things that I was doing at the time. So, you know, for me, um, wellness has become a big part of my life. January 1st, I decided that it was going to change for me. Last year, probably about October, November uh, 2021, I was having severe palpitations. I was waking up in the middle of the night and just having like the most um, crazy heartbeats for no reason. I wasn't having a nightmare. I wasn't uh, doing anything but sleep. And they kept coming and coming and coming. And I remember waking up with like really severe headaches. I've never suffered from migraines. I've always just sort of, you know, taken a Tylenol and it's fine. It goes away. But these headaches were so severe, so strong. And, you know, I would take maybe Advil or maybe some Excedrin 
And I would be taking it two, two to four times a day sometimes because it, it was so, so bad. Again, I didn't want to go see the doctor. I wasn't um, thinking about going to see the doctor. I kept postponing it, you know, making excuses about it. I take care of my parents. All of you guys know that I'm a sandwich. I'm literally in the middle between taking care of my parents and taking care of my kids and, and, and the husband and the family and the business. And so all of those things started to accumulate. And I think I was going through um, something of a meltdown, something of like a breakdown. I think my body was finally just saying, it's enough. Uh, I think you're allowing your your health to just... Um, go on the wayside and you're not giving yourself that time to heal. And even through COVID, I was, you know, keeping myself busy, trying to do things because if I'm not busy, I don't feel productive. And if I don't feel productive, I get depressed and I get very sad. I have to be doing things all the time. So part of that, um, we started a new business. My husband and I started doing um, house flips. And so that took on a new stress on top of everything that we were doing because I was handling, you know, the contractors, but you know, as much as I feel comfortable giving direction and being, you know, bossy, um, I w- it was taking a toll on myself, on my body, and it was taking a toll on my on my wellness and my health and my well being. It wasn't something that I um, I necessarily enjoyed. Um, although it was something to do, it was something fun. It was something for us to work together and do something together since we were already all day together. This gave us, you know, business and and doing things is something we've always wanted to do together. So um, October, November, again, I started having, um, so, you know, my weight just wasn't going down. No matter what I did, I was, I was still at the 20 pounds plus through COVID. And, you know, as, as much as I tried eating better, working out, doing everything I was supposed to do, it just wasn't budging. Um, and so that kind of adds to, to, to me and to who I am. I'm a, I'm, I'm a go-getter. I'm extremely type A. Whenever I set a goal, I accomplish it. I, you know, I check it off. I'm a checklist person, check, 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 check. So everything I was checking off, was good except until I started to get sick. And then all those checks and all those checklists started to go to the wayside. So nothing was working for me. I was getting very sick. Um, I remember going to the doctor with my mom and they took my blood pressure and my blood pressure was so high. I think it was up at 159 over like 90. Um, I have it on my phone. I have an app now where I can check my blood pressure. It was so high that I was starting to freak out. Like, oh my God, I went home and I Googled and it says, you know, high blood pressure can lead to heart disease, can lead to heart attacks, um, strokes. It, it just has all these complications. And, and if you don't control it, it has, um, it has severe consequences. So for me, I, that moment was like, oh my God, I need to find a doctor. I need to go somewhere. And the other thing I hate about finding a doctor and going to the doctor is they, they don't see you. They don't check you very often, very long. They ask you a few questions and then, okay, let me prescribe you something. I didn't want to go through that. So for about a year, year and a half, I was searching, looking everywhere for a doctor and making sure that whoever I find was somebody that was going to have um, a lot of the requirements, like I wanted it to be a female doctor. I wanted somebody who had a background in nutrition. I needed somebody to have, um, I wanted a young woman, somebody who understood a lot of the complexities of working moms, bosses, uh, having a husband, having kids, taking care of parents. Like I really wanted somebody that understood those complexities that come with, you know, being 
you know, being that woman that, that I am. Um, of course, you know, finding that and, and, and leading to that was one day I was just scrolling through Instagram and this name pops up and she's talking about nutrition and, you know, the changes that you can do in your food to help you with your blood pressure. And I was like, oh, this is what I need to listen to. This is something I need to really, really look into because she's talking about the things that I'm looking at. And so she went on and on and her, her, um, suggestions were really practical. They were reasonable. And, and so I started doing some of that. Again, the next day, a few days later, I see her pop up again. I start to follow her on her Instagram. She becomes somebody that's just constantly in my face. Um, this doctor is posting all the things I need to see, I need to hear, I need to, you know, I need to be listening to, I need to be there with her. So again, um, again, she comes up. Again, I see her. Again, I'm trying, 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 trying. And so I'm thinking, oh, I'll just follow her. I don't have to go see her for the doctor. I can save my money, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have insurance. That's not going to work for me. Time kept going by. Weeks kept going by. Till finally in December, I just got so fed up with myself. I got fed up with my health. I got fed up with my wellness. My mother was in the hospital again. She was at the um, emergency room. And I started to think that that was going to be me. That was going to be me one day if I did not take care of the root cause for my blood pressure, my hypertension. Called Dr. Singh. I signed up. She has a sign up on her, on her, on her website. I went there. Um, I, again, looked it up, did my research, Googled her. I didn't sign up yet. I just went over there and just looked around. I have to research a lot before I sign up to anything, and just I have to be, like, really sure. So I think it was December 30th, December 31st. My mother was, was just getting out of the hospital. We're about to celebrate um, New Year's, and I just made a commitment to myself that one day, and I said, I just have to do this for me. I have to do it for my kids. I have to do it for Rusk, for my husband. Um, he needs me around. He, my kids need me around. I need to be here for my parents. If I'm not taking care of me, nobody's going to take care of me, so I have to do that. And January 1st, I went on there on her website, and I signed up, and I think it's probably one of the most amazing I, I guess things that I've ever done. I mean, for, for me, for somebody who just really doesn't go to doctors, it was huge. It was huge. And finding her and, and knowing that she was the doctor because I just, I just knew, I just had a feeling. She checked me out right away. She didn't even weigh me because she knows that she knows if I, if she weighs me, my hypertension is going to go crazy high. <laughs> I know I'm like 20 pounds overweight. And so she asked really good questions. And so, you know, for today's episode, I wanted you all to really consider taking your wellness um, and, and thinking about that and, and thinking about how you really owe it to yourself to take care of yourself. And self-care is not just going to the spa, getting facials, getting massages. It's really going to the doctor, getting your blood work done, getting your, your, your hormones checked. I you know, thanks to her, we, we discovered that I was perimenopausal. So a lot of the reasons why I was not able to lose weight or the reason why I wasn't able to, um, you know, figure out a lot of the headaches that I was having, it's, it's all related to the hormones. It's all related to the, 
the, the, the, the, the lifestyle that I was leading, my stress levels, as much as I work out, that's not enough to handle my stress. So I had to cut back on a lot of things. I cut back on the alcohol. I think I cut back maybe 70%. I still enjoy it a little bit every once in a while. Um, I'll go out and do have fun. The other thing that she recommended for me was to definitely, you know, follow a fatty diet, um, follow a high fiber diet. So I've been doing that and I feel so good. I feel amazing thanks to her. And so today's conversation is my interview with her and it's a great conversation. It's a great talk that you guys are going to love. And if you want to check her out, please go to her site. I'm going to have all of her information in the description. You definitely don't want to miss this episode. Those of you out there that are wondering, should you go do your pap smears? Should you go do your uh, mammograms? Should you do your colonoscopies? I'm telling you today, go get it done. I'm getting... All of those things checked out this year. And to tell you the truth, as scary as it is, I need to know for a fact that I, you know, that I have something and that I can help myself and fix it. Um, I asked doctors saying, you know, that I did not want to be on medication, that I wanted to work everything through as much as I can the most natural way. And she's been so open and so wonderful about that. And so far, so good. I've been able to manage my high blood pressure, like from hypertension two to hypertension one. I have some days when it's normal and I get really excited about those days, but I'm not there yet. And it's only April. So um, definitely working towards that. I'm giving myself some time to, to really, you know, give myself the, those, those numbers to come through for me. Uh, but I definitely want to encourage you all, please do not wait anymore. Please do not put it off. You know, you think, oh, I need to take care of this. I need to take care of it. No, you need to take care of you. You are important. You are the person that needs to be there for everyone, but you need to be there for you. Please do that for me. Do me that favor. Let me know in the comments. Write to me. I love to hear from you all. And if you are somebody that has gone through a transformation like I, I'm going through right now, I want to hear from you. I want to know what kinds of things you're, you're doing. If you have hypertension like myself, what are you doing to get all those things, you know, in order? And if you need more advice and you need more help and you need some tips, I definitely have some of that. I'm going to be creating a blog post with some of the things that I've been going through. And I'm also adding a course on my courses because I'm adding courses to my um, to to everything that I'm doing now. I'm going to be doing a course on um, how to find a doctor and how to uh, address lifestyle issues, for example, stress you know, mommyhoods, sandwich generation, all those things. So I want you all to look out for that. So I'm so grateful for you. I'm thankful that you're here. Season seven is coming in strong. I just cannot wait for you all to be here for it. Thank you so much. And I can't wait for y'all at Vibes by Alicia. Follow me. Let me know. DM me. Uh, I want to hear from you. I love you all. Friends, I must tell you, I know the place to go if you need house audio, TV installation, security monitoring. I am telling you, these people are so, so good that I cannot wait to share them with you. AVS Concepts is the place to get all of these things taken care of. They're the experts in audio video. If you are entertaining and you need music, call them. If you just purchased a new house and you want to have security, you've got to call them. They are the best 
at all of this for you. I am so excited to share them with you. They are new sponsors for the podcast. You will not not regret having them in your house. They can put anything up and create the most amazing surround sound. I am telling you, when I watch my movies, I like to watch them with surround sound. And thanks to AVS Concepts, I can do that. Follow them at their Instagram account, AVSC underscore HTX, or you can also find them at their website, avcschouston.com, and tell them that Alicia from Vines by Alicia sent you, and they will take care of you, I promise you. My friends, I want to introduce to you the Vanguard Agency. They are fit for Texas. They are in the business of helping people to save money. For all of insurance needs, the Vanguard Agency cannot wait to work with you. Get a quote for your home, get a quote for your auto, a quote for your business and restaurant. They are ready to shop your insurance policies with top-rated insurance companies. Go see my friend Humberto Garcia. He's been in the business a long time and makes an effort to make your insurance policy needs as seamless as possible for all of you. Tell him you heard about them here when you call him at 281-453-8770. They speak Spanish, and I know they will take care of you. So today I have a very special guest, someone I've been wanting to have on the guest, and I want you to join me as we welcome Dr. Sonia Singh. Welcome, Dr. Sonia. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Alicia. Dr. Singh is a Stanford-trained, board-certified internist here in Houston. Her mission is to create an innovative new space different from traditional medical practices. She leads Juniper Modern Primary Care, a membership-based primary care practice designed to serve busy women here in Houston. And I will have more details about her bio because it's pretty long in my <laughs> description. <laughs> but in short, she's a different kind of doctor, and that's why I'm so thrilled to have you here today. Thank you so much. And so, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted you here and I wanted you to talk to my audience is because, um, you know, for the last two years, this is just an example, and this is, and you've heard the story because this is the first thing I told you when I came in. I searched and searched for a doctor for maybe two, maybe almost three years. I think it was even before COVID. Mm -hmm. um, I was searching for a doctor. I needed somebody who could kind of get in, um, in deep with some of the issues that I was having, even back three or four years ago. Um, but I didn't want to go in just for checkups and five-minute talks and then just, like, be prescribed something and then go yeah. on, you know, on your merry way. Like, I felt like, okay, you're not even asking me about my lifestyle. You're not asking me about my diet, what, how I live, what kind of, you know, stress level I have. There were none of those questions. And so one thing I, um, I was looking for, I was looking for somebody who was different. And then I started seeing some posts um, from you on Instagram I'm not really sure if maybe somebody tagged you on something mm -hmm. or, you know, how I found you. And then I started reading some of the posts and some of them were very, um, they were just about nutrition. I think they were based on like a, like a nutrition and diet and how that affects health. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is really interesting. and It's really good. So I kept going and looking and looking. And then I noticed that you were a member here at Cheese Space and said, mm -hmm. oh my God, it's like the universe is saying to me, like, finally, just pay attention to this, this doctor. Yeah, the universe brought me to you. It did. It really did. So, you know, first observation, first thing is like you asked me questions and then um, you wanted to really get to kind of the root of the causes of the things that I was feeling and why I was coming into you. I was super tired. I was lethargic. I was very unmotivated. Um, 
I knew I had high blood pressure because that was something that was told to me from other experiences and from going to the gynecologist, but I never really considered how that could be harmful and how it could be affecting me in other ways and other things in my life, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I always hesitated to go to a mainstream doctor. Like I just didn't, and then, then I didn't have insurance as well. So I thought, what am I going to do? And you have a membership-based mm -hmm. practice. So... Um, I want you to tell my audience a little bit about what that is, because I think it's when I tell people that I do like a membership, they don't they can't understand that. Yeah. So it's definitely a newer concept for a lot of people. But I think, you know, so much of our life has moved towards like almost a subscription based model that it's not surprising. Medicine is kind of starting to move that way, too. And I really think it's the future of good primary care because in the insurance-based system where everything is kind of based on this rigid network and getting insurance reimbursement, it leads to a situation where the doctor is really, like realistically only gonna have yeah. 15, 20 minutes with the patient. And there's only so much you can do in those 15, 20 minutes. So you're never gonna get to the, to the you know, root of anything really because you barely have time to figure out mm -hmm. what are your allergies? What meds are you on? What are your diagnose, you know, quickly try to diagnose your problems and then give you a plan and, you know, make sure we write our notes. So all of that, is supposed to happen in 15 minutes in a normal visit. Right. And I worked in that system for a long time from the time I finished residency in uh, 2016 until this past year. That's the system. Those are the types of systems I worked in. And I just realized at a certain point, like it was impossible. I couldn't do it anymore. So basically the way my practice works, I describe it as a boutique practice for women that's membership based. And basically my patient's pay a flat monthly membership fee based mm -hmm. on their age. Mm -hmm. Within that fee, they can see me as many times as they want. Don't charge them for the minutes. Don't charge them for texts or follow-up phone calls. They can contact me 24-7. We can spend as much time as we want in the visit. We can talk about whatever we want in the visit. It's not like, oh, this is your physical, so we can't talk about your knee pain or we can't right. talk about your back pain or I'm going to bill you extra for that. So it kind of creates this um, open relationship where we can really have two-way conversations and take our time with things and not worry about kind of nickel and diming every little mm -hmm. thing and every minute. So they pay this flat monthly membership fee. The nice thing about that is also you can have it with or without insurance. So mm -hmm. if you have insurance, great. It'll cover your meds. We can bill your labs to it if we want to, your imaging, okay. referrals. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have insurance, you can see me still. And even if your insurance changes, like sometimes mm -hmm. your plan changes or you change jobs, you get a different network, mm -hmm. you don't have to change your primary doctor. You can stick with me. So I really like the model because I feel like it allows me to give like concierge level yeah. high quality care to all of my patients, regardless of whether they're insured right. or not, regardless yeah. of what network they're in. Um, and it just allows me to practice in the way that I think is right instead of trying to kind of um, fit within a certain schedule that's dictated yeah. by like a big company or just basically chasing reimbursement money. Yeah. And I think one of the, the most amazing things about this is that I can reach you if I'm having a problem with like a lab mm -hmm. or if something uh, doesn't go right for me or if I'm struggling, I don't have to go through your nurse, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then have them give you, you yep. know, a, a game a, of telephone Oh my gosh, because that's all I do all day with yeah. my mom and my dad. It's like I, I'm constantly on the phone with the doctors. I'm talking to the insurance. Yeah. Please approve this. Or right. like, where do I send the referral le you know, uh, right. uh, letter? Who yeah. do I fax it to? Like, it's such a convoluted process yeah. so many times. And it's so bureaucratic that mm -hmm. I get so annoyed. And then I don't want to go to the doctor because I have to go through all of that. Yeah. And, and I so think that's why so many people delay it. Because with it's you, such a hassle. It's, such, it's such an easy way for me. Like, I've, I've had lab work where I just call you or, mm -hmm. like, I send you a message. I know that you have a system. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then we handle it right away. We mm -hmm. take care of it. And, and for me, for someone like me, that is like the best thing ever because I need to have like that information right then mm -hmm. and there. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to be waiting around for somebody to call me back. And, and I'm at the lab and I'm like, hey, do I leave? Do I stay? What do I do? You know, what happens? Yeah. And like, you know, for me, that's important. And I think for a lot of busy women, like that yeah. service right there, it's, it's worth the membership, I think, mm -hmm. that in itself. Mm -hmm. To have you and to be able to talk to you. I know that I've had, like, I've been sending you updates on my, like, um, my hypertension because mm -hmm. I have hypertension. So we talk about those and you get to see them as they, as they get better or as they get worse. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a constant um, feedback going on and yeah. I love that about it. Yeah. I mean that what we, the work we did with you and your blood pressure would have taken months, if not years to do with a traditional right. doctor, because I think, you know, the most often you can bring somebody back is like maybe every few weeks, you know, and you're just not going to, it's unlikely that you're going to be able to go back and forth yeah. that many times and compare the numbers and tweak things and, move the way that we did so yeah I mean it's a great example of the power of that kind of this kind of practice yeah love it um you know one of the reasons why I really wanted you on as well is because you know lately and I think this some this is something that happened maybe through COVID or maybe um I just I'm paying attention to things a lot more a lot of my friends a lot of women in my age group are getting chronic diseases mm -hmm. lately a lot of them are getting very sick whether they are being diagnosed with diabetes or like my friend Victoria, who was just recently diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Mm. And she had been sick for a while. She had been sick since June, like, uh, you know, maybe six, seven months before she was properly diagnosed. And I think misdiagnosed in a lot of mm. ways because she was, they said it was a pelvic dysfunction or, you know, that it was a, just a constipation to deal with it. And, and so they never went in and, and, and really paid attention to what was really going on. Mm -hmm. um, and those types of diseases, I consider them like older people diseases. Mm -hmm. What's going on and what do you see as an upsurge? Why is that happening? I mean, I think definitely post-COVID, there's a phenomenon of people kind of skipping out on their preventive care and being kind of you know afraid to go to the doctor or avoiding medical places in general. Um, so I think a lot of people put off things like their mammograms, their colonoscopies, yeah. or just just getting to the doctor for just a routine visit where somebody might have told them, hey, you know, the age for colonoscopy is 45 now. So, right, you know, and you I didn't know that until yeah. you told me. I thought it was 55 or something. Yeah, 60s. it was 50 until pretty recently, and wow. it's now lower okay. to 45 because we are diagnosing more colon cancers in younger patients. Mm -hmm. And why is that? I mean, that's a that's a big question. I don't know if I have the you know answer to that, mm -hmm. but I think it has you know to do with a lot of different factors. One, we're not you know. Well, before COVID, we weren't dying of other kinds of diseases as much. We were living longer, and so people were getting more of these diseases. Um, but I also think there's, you know, it has a lot to do with our diets and our lifestyles and the way we live in this country. And so, um, you know, I think the part that's in your control is, you know, making sure that you're up to date on those routine exams, that you're getting in to see the doctor for your, so your screening physicals and your blood work and just staying on top of that stuff before you even develop the symptom, you know. Yeah, and is it maybe um, a lack of access to affordable health care? Yeah, 100%. Because I kind of feel, I feel like very lucky that I'm able to afford someone like you yeah. and be able to pay it. But a lot of them can't, you know, can't yeah. afford to do that monthly membership thing. And I and I feel grateful that I can do that. Yeah. But I, I, I see that it's a lot of the women who can't afford the health care that are getting really, really sick. It is. And I mean, that's just our, you know, healthcare system in this country is unfortunately kind of dysfunctional and, and it does leave a lot of people out. Health insurance is extremely expensive, you know, even to get kind of a very basic plan can be right. a few hundred dollars a month out of your paycheck. And that's a lot for a lot of people. So, 
you know, I think that that is part of it. Um, and then, like you said, we just don't make it easy. Like if you want to get a good PCP, like somebody who is well-respected and well-trained and who has good bedside manner and people like them, probably going to wait for months They're just to get an appointment. Demand, They're going to sure. be in high demand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's just so many layers that make it hard, I think, for people to get established. And, you know, we can do all of our routine things like we can know like okay well I got to start you know colonoscopies this stage got to start mammograms this stage but there's a lot of value in having a doctor that actually knows you because Mm -hmm. I can you know I know my patients so Mm -hmm. I have some patients who have literally never complained to me so if that patient comes to me and says oh you know kind of having some chest pain I know okay something's going on with this person this is not somebody who I'm just gonna say oh maybe it's a muscle strain you know so I think you know establishing that relationship is a really important part of the puzzle you know and I've noticed there was an Instagram post that you, you you put up and I w- I wanted to share it but it was very it was very good it was like uh, you spend a lot of time also um, kind of fighting back what we feel as as w- as we see traditional doctors to be mm-hmm. you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying like we come in with a perception like oh she's gonna weigh me oh yeah. my blood pressure's gonna go up and you didn't do any of that like yeah. it was very different and I you know I was like oh so grateful because mm-hmm. I, that's the reason why my <laughs> blood pressure goes crazy high. I mean, nobody yeah. wants to get weighed the first time, yeah. the first thing you do and you yeah. walk in. Um, and then we get to know each other a little bit more and then we get to talk a little bit more. But right. um, there's a lot of little things. And I think you posted there's a lot of little th- factors that yeah, play with our head and our psychology. I think you're there's And a, then I'm th- not going into the doctor. She's going to weigh <laughs> me and tell me I weigh 155 pounds. Like, no, I'm yeah. not doing no, that. The post was about like how many triggers for shame there are. Yes, when we triggers go to the for shame. So it's oh, like so good. you walk in and the first thing that happens is you're getting weighed. And then, you know, you're getting your blood pressure checked. And then you're thinking, look, she's going to talk to me about my weight. And then you're like, oh, I didn't shave my legs. And she's going to examine my, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just oh, all like of those all, things all of we're the, listening to. Yes. All of the things, you know. Um, and I, you know, I, I think any good doctor is not judgmental about those things and knows how to talk about it in a sensitive way. But I think just like the way a traditional doctor's appointment is scheduled, a lot of those things just happen, you know, even mm-hmm. if the doctor's mm-hmm. great and doesn't make you feel bad, it's like just getting on that scale as the first thing when you walk in yeah. feels that yeah. way. So now in my new practice, I'm literally every, I'm, I'm, the mis- I'm the medical assistant, I'm the nurse, I'm the receptionist. So I, it's my job now to take all the vitals and do the weights. And mm-hmm. honestly, in the beginning, I just would forget to weigh people when they first came in. I also was kind of <laughs> like, I hope you oh. forgot with me because I, was I like, loved it's kinda, it. <laughs> it's kind of nice to, you know, chit chat first and then put them on the scale before, you know, right. uh, jumping mm-hmm. to that. But then I realized like so many patients appreciated not being weighed. So now I actually ask people if they want to be weighed. So I get through the visit and when I'm done with my exam, I'm like, there's a scale in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell me how much you weigh or do you want me to weigh you? It's up to you because I'm not a pediatrician. I don't do weight based, you know, medicine dosing. So right, there's not right. actually that many situations where I truly need to know the exact number mm-hmm. of someone's weight. Um, and I, you know, I like to kind of roughly know their BMI, but that's not also, yeah. you know, the but it's not like you're all, ignoring so. it and there's, there's, you're not ignoring the fact that maybe we are a little bit heavier yeah. and that might be, uh, why we have the hypertension or, you know, you're completely aware right. of all of those things. You're just not making it like the, the central reason, yeah. you know, and you're not making us feel like, oh yeah, you're fat. That's why you have hypertension. Like that's right. what we're thinking in our head, you know? Yeah. And so, and I've had a lot of patients say to me that that's their experience that they feel like whenever they go to the yes. doctor, whether it's neck pain or back pain or knee pain or their blood pressure, or their cholesterol, the answer is always exactly. like, we'll go lose weight, you know? And we don't, 
I think a lot of times even give pe- people the tools, like, how am I going to do that? Right, right. <laughs> and, and then it's not doesn't feel helpful to them because they feel like maybe you ignored something else that might be going on, you know? Yes. And I think, you know, we do know we're heavier. We do know how to lose weight. We're just not doing it. And sometimes just having you just give us like a guideline, like mm-hmm. you gave me a guideline, like this, try these things and, and you know, slowly but surely you'll get, you know, where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like, you know, for, for, for women who are busy, women who ha- are moms, like having that access to a doctor is just makes so much sense. And mm-hmm. I would love for everybody to have that experience and not just be a membership based sort of thing. Like, yeah. you know, I, when I take my mother in for, for her appointment, it's it's literally five minutes in, five minutes out. Yeah. And like, how do you feel good? And, how, you know, th- and let's take your pro- blood pressure. And OK, good. All right. Great. You're feeling great. Bye. And <laughs> and so by the time we're out, we're like, oh, we forgot to tell them this, this and this yeah. and this because they're kind of kicking you out. Yeah. I mean, when I had my six week postpartum visit with my OBGYN, it was like the height of COVID. So it was virtual and it was literally like a, a five minute Zoom call. And she was just kind of oh, like, how's yeah. it going? How's breastfeeding? Are you mm-hmm. sad? How are you feeling? And I was like, it's OK. Everything's OK. She was mm-hmm. like, OK, great. Like, see you next year. You know, and I, I couldn't I, I was fine. And I hung up and I couldn't believe that you know, as women, we go through this huge transition yeah. of like having a baby, your whole body changes, your whole life changes, yeah. like everything is different. It's kind hormo- traumatic. Hormo- yeah. yeah, it is mm-hmm. a trauma. Mm-hmm. You're like hormonally a mess. Uh-huh. And like, that's all we give women. We're just like, yeah. okay, have a nice day, you know? <laughs> and that's that's crazy. So that, that's part of the reason I wanted to focus my practice on women is I feel like in those years of like 20s to 50s, we're going mm-hmm. through all of these transitions yeah. in our physical bodies, mentally, emotionally, with our careers, our relationships. And those women just kind of get treated like, oh, you're healthy. You just need like, you know, your five minute physical once you right. go see your OBGYN every three years. Like it. No. You know, and they never crazy. ask you what kind of food do you eat or mm-hmm. they never ask you how many times you're out eating, you know, out there, because obviously that makes an impact. That makes mm-hmm. a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never had anybody ask me, you know, any questions about, you know, what kind of work do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is it stressful? You know, mm-hmm. um, do you take care of your parents as well as your kids? Yeah. Like that adds a ton. You know, being yeah. a sandwich is, is something that I, I deal with a lot. And so it kind of adds the stress and it adds anxiety to my to me and everything that I do. I remember when I was thir- no, I was maybe 15 years old and I was having like very severe, severe menstrual cramping. And so um, because we didn't have insurance, my mom took me to Bentop Hospital. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first um, that was like the first time a doctor actually paid attention to what was going on with me. Um, and he asked me all of these questions and then he asked me, um, because I thought, oh, well, he's just going to give me something for it. Right. Mm -hmm, And he mm -hmm. was like, have you been, do you exercise during those days? I'm like, I kind of do. He goes, okay, exercise a little bit more. It will help you. But he gave me like some really good, um, suggestions, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe something I should eat and maybe, you know, don't, don't eat anything with heavy sodium. Like there was a few things Mm -hmm. for the bloating and all that sort of thing. And I was like thinking, wow, like that one doctor and I still remember him and he mm-hmm. was at this at this community you know hospital where honestly I've been there a lot and they don't take care of you they like really treat you like crap mm-hmm. you know to say the least they really treat you like crap but this doctor actually had like a re- had really good suggestions for me as a 15 year old girl when normally um another doctor would have probably said well let's give you some birth control pills you know yeah. that'll help blah 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 blah. and I didn't want to take any birth control pills I wasn't a sexually active girl not that that has to be you know mm-hmm. I understand there's another need for them as well right, but right. but jumping to that right away to me was like yeah I'm, I'm not doing that I don't want to do that like 
I already knew putting things in my body wasn't yeah. going to be the solution for me. I wanted to find other ways to yeah. manage what was going on with me. And he helped me a lot. And then ultimately he said, you know what, take Advil. And if that Advil doesn't work, I'll give you like a stronger mm -hmm. Advil. But, you know, he gave me some really great suggestions and I still follow, you know, even to this day. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people like, maybe ask more questions when you're in there with that doctor and, mm -hmm. and not just assume that they know everything and they know all about you from those five or 10 minutes that they're seeing you. Yeah. I mean, I think coming in with an agenda and sort of a list and knowing what you want to talk Perfect. about, drive, so, driving the, you know, driving the conversation so that you're not just sitting there answering, you know, checkbox questions is like how you can get more out of your time with the doctor when you do see them. Um, Dr. Singh, do you find like there's a specific type of patient that comes to see you? Yeah, I mean, I think most of my patients, I mean, right now, my current practice is, you know, heavily geared towards busy women, whether that's busy professionally or busy with their kids or whatever, just women who kind of value their time and I think appreciate the access, the convenience, the relationship that I build. Um, but even in my practice before that, I, I could tell that I was attracting a lot of professionals and a lot of busy young moms. And I think that's because, you know, professionals for one and millennials, honestly, also, I think all those people like they're just their time is in short in such, such demand is scarce. And so like they if they're going to come see the doctor, they want it to count. They want to get right. like, value out of it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so that was one thing. And I think, you know, millennials, like people of my generation are very like, um, conscious about putting things in their bodies and so they yes. want to hear like how can I, I I please do not put me on a pill like I want to do this myself yeah. like tell me how I can change my diet tell me what exercises to do you know they, they they're craving that kind of information that I think they're not they weren't getting from a lot of other people yeah I have noticed that about younger women that they're more they're, they're more in in tune yeah with themselves in that sense I think it's probably because there's so much more information out there you know? yeah and yeah. We're, we're totally overloaded with information like yeah. I feel it now myself is like now that I have the practice and I've been trying to you know be more present in social media I just see all the other things that people are posting and sometimes I get overwhelmed with the information like I'm like man is that really is that is that a thing like I should read about that but yeah it's, it's hard you know you have to have somebody that you trust that helps you navigate everything mm -hmm, that's out mm -hmm. there because otherwise it's really easy to get swept up in with whatever you know yeah, diet yeah. or whatever is going around and sometimes having a lot of information is good it's just you have to really go through that information and really find the things that are going to be helpful to you because right. yeah I mean I could be I could be reading the things on colon cancer and then I'm like oh shit I have it now you mm -hmm. know because they don't yeah. kind of get in your head it's like <laughs> yeah. you know the psychology of it is like oh it's it's a, it, it's a hypochondriac like, yeah. oh my god now I have that yeah. oh I yeah. have that too and then it's everything well, so have you have to be really careful <laughs> I have a lot of patients who have health anxiety too and I think that they're drawn to me because they're so used to like having a concern and then feeling like oh my god I have to wait like weeks to talk to my doctor about this or oh, I'll send her a message and maybe she'll respond like a week later you know and that just makes it fester and breed and that's when you start like consulting Google and WebMD and like start going down the rabbit hole that pretty much always tells you that you have some kind of cancer and so yes. you know with my model now like I tell those people who are anxious I'm like just message me in the beginning it's gonna feel like oh my gosh like I shouldn't text her this is so silly like it's probably a crazy mm -hmm. idea like I shouldn't but what I find is over time when they, you know, we've had the conversations enough times where they're like, okay, this person is listening to me. They're going to respond right away. They're, you know, going to think about this. They're not just going to blow me off. Mm -hmm. They start getting comfortable. And yeah. then they're, they're willing to give it a little bit more time and be like, oh, you know, I have this weird feeling. I'm going to give it a, a few hours and see what happens. And then if nothing happens, I'm going to call her and, and see what she thinks, you know. So it it really helps people, I think, who have that kind of, you know, they're wired to be a little anxious about their health and very aware of the sensations in their body because they can reach out to me. 
And I think it's also for for women or people, not just women, but people who are very, are always like they need to have control of everything mm -hmm. that's going on. And when we don't have control over our health, that throws us off big time because that we control everything else. Mm -hmm. And so control for us is like, it's, it's, it's a, it's like a, it's like an essential need, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> we need it so yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, and that's the hardest thing for me. It's like if I don't have control over what's happening with, with my health or if, if I can control it or if I'm like mm -hmm. looking at my numbers and I'm getting better, it's like, oh, I'm actually doing things that are helping me to get better and improve, you right. know, my which hypertension. Is empowering. Which, which is, is empowering. Which is the opposite of what a lot of healthcare experiences feel which like. Which is exactly <laughs> the opposite because if yeah. they give you a pill and then that pill gives you a side effect and then you feel shame because you took the pill, now you feel that, oh, now I have to go to the doctor or you feel shame because you didn't take the pill because, <laughs> right <laughs> feel shame no matter what all the time yeah. all the time so you know one thing that i've also noticed um you know because we, we i found you on social media is mm -hmm. that a lot of women um started reaching out to me and i was getting a lot of inf a lot of dms and like text messages of women who were like you know i'm so glad that you posted about your hypertension because mm -hmm. i didn't even know to get my blood pressure checked you know, in a, in a consistent basis, mm -hmm. I go in, maybe when I, you know, go to the oncologist, maybe, you know, they'll do it or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and like the mammogram and, and women who were like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm your age, I'm 46 mm -hmm. and I haven't had a mammogram in three or four years. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's a reluctance for a lot of women to not post their health. I think a lot of them are, are creating like FOMO mm -hmm. on social media and living mm -hmm. their best life, but not really posting that there's a lot of things that are going on within us and inside of us and nobody really wants to talk about it sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not glamorous. A lot of these things, it's not glamorous, it's not it's glamorous, right. but it's so common. And the more we talk about it and normalize it, you know, the more people are going to realize that they might need help with it and, you know, go see someone. So I'm so glad that I'm so proud of you for doing that. Do you think it's a, um, a cultural thing or do you think it's generational? <clears throat> I think it's both. I mean, I don't want to make any broad generalizations about any particular culture or even a generation, but um, I think, I think you know, in certain cultures, in my culture, I can speak, you know, for you know, I'm I'm Indian, so I'm South Asian, and I think it's just not that common to talk about, especially like mental health or reproductive health, right. or I mean, all of those things I think are still kind of stigmatized and shrouded in shame. And so even to talk about with our own moms, like it's like, I have so many patients mm -hmm. that I'm like, oh, do you know when your mom reached menopause? And they're just like, mm -hmm. I have never talked to my mom yeah, about anything yeah. period, uh -huh. period related. So I, I think there are, you know, cultural factors and generational factors. And I really, the part of the reason I started my practice now is I could really see this shift going on mm -hmm. of like people now who are in their 30s and 40s kind of coming into the healthcare system and craving something different. Yeah. And just feeling like the regular healthcare system was not meeting their needs. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a shift is happening. Yeah. And I think we just assume that we're always going to be healthy. And we always hear that, oh, you won't start feeling until you hit 40 or <laughs> you won't start, you know, feeling sick until maybe 50 or don't worry about that. You're not even 40. You're so young. You know, it, they always play our youth. Yeah. As, oh, the fountain of youth. You're, you're so young. Why are you worried about it? But right. then you're feeling you're not feeling well. You're yeah. feeling sick. You're feeling lethargic. Um, I have friends. I have young girlfriends who are always tired. I'm like, have you gotten your, you know, learning from you? Have you gotten <laughs> your blood work done? Yeah. Maybe you're low on vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're low on your iron. And mm -hmm. so I'll go through that with them. And they're like, no, I don't want to get checked. I really don't want to go to the doctor. I'm like, you you will not know how yeah. much better you will feel yeah. until you go get those 
test done. Yeah, it's totally true. I mean, I think people, there's also an element of being afraid of what they might find. That's, that's so true. You know, and what they yeah. might tell you to do. And maybe that's something hard that you don't want to do, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you don't want to find out that you have cancer or that you have diabetes or you have something yeah but you know when you do go and have that experience and have hopefully a good experience that feeling is so good I mean that's a really empowering rewarding experience and it's so much better than living with that vague background anxiety of like well maybe something's really wrong you know yeah so so I'm going to take you to a little bit of a different topic but something that comes up because I do relationship talks too on the Mm -hmm. podcast um and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about maybe give your you give me your input on this um how health problems affect relationships and the disparities between how men and women approach it and what happens when one of those falls sick, you know, Mm -hmm. what happens, you know, because I've been reading studies and I think it's something that's been happening lately where a lot of marriages are falling apart when the woman gets sick, but when the man gets sick, the the marriage normally stays intact. Mm. Um, Again, I guess it's just it's just a maybe it's a cultural thing, maybe it's a generational thing, but I think um, we just tend to take care of people. Yeah, and I that's mean, our nature to take care of others and take care of our kids. Yeah, but when do we take care of ourselves? I know, and that's I mean that's a struggle for so many women. And I mean I think there is I I, I wish I was better prepared for this, but I think there there are studies out there that like married men you know tend to live longer, and I think there is. An aspect of that that has to do with having a spouse that is watching out for you and, you know, um, kind of managing your health and taking care of you. It seems like when she when she gets sick, they're out the door. (laughs) But when he's sick, she's still there. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, it's a little bit of a a little bit of a right turn. But it made me think about like how we as women are always taking care of others. Yeah. And we are just never taking care of ourselves. Yeah. I mean, a common theme I see, and I do this myself in my own life, is like in these busy families, like the mom will schedule the husband's physical. All the kids' physicals are never late. The dog gets his physical and is up to date. Oh, my gosh, yeah. But then the mom is always like three years late on her pap, you know? And Mm -hmm. that's just because, you know, a lot of times we're putting ourselves last. Everyone else is like higher on the priority list. And I think that's, you know, we're kind of, I think probably a little bit of it is biologically that we're sort of ingrained to yeah. be nurturers and caregivers, but I think we're also socialized to feel like it's our job to manage the household and everybody else in it, you know, and we yeah. need to take care yeah. of everyone before us. So, yeah, for sure. And I feel like, you know, as a mom raising two boys, mm-hmm. um, I was, I was at that point where I'm like, I'm not going to tell the boys what's going on. Like, I don't want them, you know, to, to worry. Mm-hmm. But my husband was like, no, you have to tell them, let them know because they need to feel like, like, they're going to be a part of your solution, a part mm-hmm. of helping you, you know, because you're stressed out over this. You know, when I was going th- through things mm-hmm. with my parents, my husband was like, well, ask the boys to help you with things so that you don't feel like you're always the only one doing everything. Yeah. Um, and for a while, I'm like, no, 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 I'll be fine. Or, you know, I'm going to go get my I'm going to go get a test. And my baby, my little one, my 15 year old, he's so perceptive. Mommy, what do you what kind of tests are you getting? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'm going to go get some blood work done. Well, what's that blood work done for mom? What's going on? Like, are you feeling sick or what? You know, yeah. And a part of me was like oh I don't want to worry him but at the same time my husband was like and he has a point he goes like your kids need to know that you also you know go through things and you also feel sick sometimes and sometimes they need to give you a break and sometimes they need to leave you alone if you need to take that break yeah um or also that taking care of your health is just you know a normal routine healthy thing to do and is not necessarily you know mean like something terrible is going on you know like just normalize the process of like oh I go to the doctor sometimes and I get stuff checked when I don't feel good you know and it's okay nobody needs to 
you know. Yeah, normalize it is the word because yeah. immediately they jump to, uh oh, yeah, mom, you're sick. What's going on? Are you dying? Yeah, like it goes straight to that. Right. And that the little one is like that. Like he gets he gets so worried. You know, yeah. if I have a headache. Yeah. Um, why do you have a headache, mommy? What did you not eat? Like yeah. he gets so worried, but at the same time, I'm like thinking, oh, and I'm going to talk to you about that because you you have a podcast that we are going to talk about oh, too. Because you. I feel like my son, one of my kids, is very sensitive. Yeah. Oh, because he he gets into it. But you know, um, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about and maybe ask a little bit bit about is um, medical gaslighting. Mm. And a lot of women talk to me about this too, and how they feel like the doctor dismisses them almost immediately after they hear something and um, doesn't consider them or excuses them as being too sensitive or being mm -hmm. a little bit dramatic or they're overreacting. So that in itself, that one time that one doctor did that, mm -hmm. they won't go back for years mm -hmm. because they weren't taken seriously. I think that's so true. And there's, I mean, there's data on that, you know, that women's pain is has, has historically been taken less seriously, you know, and I mean, you think about it, we give birth, like we go through labor, we do like so many painful things, you know, as right. part of just a normal life cycle. And so the idea that our pain is taken less seriously in medical settings is like really disheartening. So, I mean, I think there's more awareness of that now. And so I hope, yeah. you know, especially in medical education and training, there's a little bit more a shift towards like acknowledging that and, you know, recognizing it when it's happening. But I mean, I hear that complaint from so many patients. You know, that what do you recommend for those women who have been gaslighted before and want and, and don't want to go back to a doctor because of that? I mean, I think you have to remember that, you know, all doctors are so different. Mm -hmm. um, if, you know, that's been the case, I, I honestly, there, there's a little bit of data that female PCPs have better outcomes than male PCPs. So mm -hmm. I don't want to make this, a, you know, I hope this is not a sexist comment to make, but there's a little data that suggests going mm -hmm. to a female doctor it might help, sense. you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think it's just a matter of finding the right person, you know? And I think that's also hard because it's like, well, how do you find a good PCP? Like, can you just based on reviews? Do you just mm -hmm. based on word of mouth? Do you just look at where they Ask went to medical friends. school? Like, wait, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think honestly the best... Um, the best way is by talking to somebody who loves their PCP and going to that person. Cause then you have, you know, a first firsthand knowledge of somebody who, who had an experience with that person and says they're good reviews can, you know, be misleading. Um, sometimes you can have a great doctor that gets a bunch of bad reviews cause the staff is, you know, slow or billing errors or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but may, they may be fantastic or sometimes you can just have a, somebody who has a bunch of fake reviews up. And so, you know, you can't necessarily trust it, but if you, you know, have a friend or somebody that, you know, um, is similar to you in some way and had a good experience, that's usually the person to go to. And if you can find somebody in the medical field right. that says, I like that person, that's a good person to go oh. to. That is like, to me, that's like the creme de la, that, that's like the, you know, best recommendation you can get. So right. if I have, you know, a colleague of mine tell me, oh, that person, I went to them for my colonoscopy. I'm going to go to that person because mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, not only did you have a good understanding of what was going on medically, but you like that person in their bedside manner. So it's like you're getting the best of everything. And that bedside manner is so important. Yeah. And I feel like it's not even considered sometimes. We try to consider it. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're graded on that in most jobs. Um, we, all our patients get surveys and we have to look at those every month. And, you know, it's a big part of how we're evaluated. But even though it's a big part of our evaluations, we don't get the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we mm -hmm. just don't have enough time, I feel like, to, mm -hmm. to be the doctors that we want to be a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have the luxury of having as much time as I want now. Mm -hmm. So it makes it much easier for me to. <laughs> and so what led you to opening your own practice and just really going off on your own? 
Oh gosh, it's very you, entrepreneurial yeah, spirit. Yeah, okay. If you told me I was going to do this three years ago, I would have thought you were totally nuts. Um, because I don't think of, I always thought of myself as like sort of a worker bee. I'm like, just tell me where to show up, where to do my job, and I'm going to yeah. do it really well, and I'm going to go home, and that's going to be it. But um, I think it was just after I had my son, and I had to be a patient in the system, and I kind of saw it from the patient side for the first time, and. Then COVID happened and I started thinking a lot about, man, like I can take care of so many of these things without dragging these people into clinic and exposing them to risk and exposing myself to risk and taking time away from my son. And I just, once I started imagining this model, it was like mm-hmm. uh, something I couldn't unsee. It was like, mm-hmm. it lit this it fire in happen. me that I was like, I just have to do this. Like, it's not even an option anymore. Like yeah. I'm doing this. When it keeps you up at night, you yes. have to do yes, it. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's right. That's exactly how it felt. So, uh, you know, I think it was just having my son and kind of that whole experience of my life, you know, in, in my life at that time, just kind of, you know, gave me the, the courage to do it. Yeah. And does it takes courage to open a business. Yeah. It's, it's one of the hardest things. Um, so before we go, I wanted to ask you if you can tell us a little bit about the podcast. Oh, my podcast. The Highly yeah. Sensitive <laughs> MD, which, by the way, yeah. it's so good. And oh, I've listened to the first two episodes because yeah. you just started it. I just, I just and started. And it's so yeah. good because I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot about highly sensitive people. Yeah. So, you know, the, the whole concept of the highly sensitive person is something that was coined in the 1990s by um, a psychologist named Dr. Aaron. And basically the idea is that there's a certain population of people, it's about 20% of the population that has this high sensory processing sensitivity. So they basically experience the world in a slightly different way than other mm-hmm. people. And it's kind of a double-edged sword because they, you know, are, you know, deeply processing things that maybe other people are not noticing. They usually are more moved by art and music and things like that, maybe just generally more sensitive, more emotional. But, um, you know, that can come at a cost of being, you know, highly sensitive and just being more more affected even by negative things. And so, you know, I recognize myself as being someone who's highly sensitive and it was really hard to be that way going through medical school and training even Mm. though you would think this is a profession that's great for sensitive people because we're having to you know show compassion and be empathetic and we're caring for people um but it's also totally exhausting when you're highly Mm -hmm. sensitive and Mm -hmm. so for me like those days in clinic and residency when I was working you know long hours every day I just felt myself being totally depleted and feeling like, gosh, something is wrong with me. Like, why can't I handle this? You know, Mm -hmm. and I would get wrapped up in my patient's issues and I would, you Mm -hmm. know, cry at, (laughs) you know, in family meetings. And I just, I felt really out of place for a long time. And, you know, I don't think it was until I started my practice and kind of started embracing the fact that I like being involved in my patients' lives. I like getting to know them. Mm-hmm. I take a long time with everybody. Like, and that it's okay to and do, it's okay to to do that, that. And actually, mm-hmm. a lot of patients really like that, yeah. you know? And for so long, I was just like, God, I need to get more efficient. God, I need to, like, be quicker. Gosh, I need to, like, stop Not thinking take it about, so personal. Yeah, take it so personally. Or like, oh, mm-hmm. I need to stop taking my work home with me and thinking about it after mm-hmm. hours, you know? And now it's like all that is just like part of my job and I feel rewarded for it because my patients like all of those things. So yes. it's, um, you know, it, it's been a journey to kind of find my place. And I just want, you know, to give the message to other, do- you know, the, the podcast is called Highly Sensitive MD, but it's really for anybody, I think, who's like in a helping profession or even just curious about, you mm-hmm. know, what it's like to be highly sensitive in medicine um, to feel like, it's okay to be that way and there's nothing wrong with it. And mm-hmm. you just gotta you gotta tweak your life to to support it. Yeah, and I think the epi- the 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 podcast could really help us as moms to identify when our children are maybe highly sensitive and we don't know how to how to h- handle that. 
yeah. how to deal with them because I know that, you know, for, for the longest time, one of my kids, my oldest one, is a very sensitive kid and he would go through these really low moods mm -hmm. and didn't understand why he was going through a lot of that. And I'm not saying that this is what he has because obviously I'm not sure. Like, yeah. this, I yeah. just listen to you. Yeah. Um, I can't diagnose him, but but I know that for the longest time I didn't understand him. I couldn't understand why he couldn't get over things or, yeah. you know, when something affected him, it affected him in a very deep level. Like, yeah. and, and my husband and I are like, okay, move on. Yeah. Like, move on. It's over. Right. And you can't say that to them. Like you can't, yeah. you can't just say move over and move on and get yeah. over it. It's, yeah. It's not helpful for them. You know, it's not helpful. Yeah. And I think it took us maybe two, two years for us to go see a therapist about it because yeah. we could not get why our son was like that. We yeah. could not understand it. And so going through that process really helped us because we took a step back yeah. and we were like, oh, okay. Like he's 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 just different and so yeah. we have to approach it from his point of view and not from where we're coming from what we right. want him to be like us right you know yeah i mean one theme that i've learned and this doesn't just apply to medicine it applies to so many things but it's just like so much of how we feel is about the stories we tell ourselves and so i think you know when you are sensitive like that a lot of times because the world is so you know it values extroversion and like being really confident mm -hmm. and out it does, there yeah. that you kind of start telling yourself this story that you're inferior or there's something wrong with you and you know the whole goal of this podcast and honestly a lot of what i do in medicine is just like helping people reframe the story and you know create a narrative for themselves that is more helpful and that serves I love them better that. reframe the story that's so important. And that's something that, you know, he, he took on. Like, mm -hmm. he, he, he became, like, immersed in his photography and his videos and what he does. Mm -hmm. That that was an outlet for him. Yeah. And instead of us being like, you know, that's silly or stop it, we were like, you know, that's the way he's going to express himself because that's how he feels most comfortable going out in the world and doing his thing. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's going to be different for everyone. So. It's hard, though, to raise kids and like understand them and like get to know them and like they're not fitting your 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 box or what you want them to do. Right. It's hard. You know, it's one of the hardest things I think I, I, we've ever done. It's like raising teenagers. Yeah. Oh gosh. gosh. I'm scared. Yeah. I'm scared. Of it. My son's late too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, because you just want them to do well and you love them. Okay, so where can they find you, Dr. Singh? Where can my audience go and look for you? Maybe they're interested in joining as a member. Yeah. Yeah. So my uh, website for my practice is um, junipermodernprimarycare.com. I'm also on Instagram as Sonia Singh MD, at Sonia Singh MD. Um, and actually, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but um, I'd love to give your listeners a little discount if Ooh, they're interested yes. in joining um, as love members. That. So um, we'll call the discount um, code um, Vibes by Alicia. And Yay. it'll give them um, $50 off their first month of membership. So that's just a little treat for your that. listeners. And thank you for listening to the end. Thank you. <laughs> no, and thank you for that. Because, y'all, this is, like, totally worth worth it. Absolutely, well, totally, you. totally worth it. And definitely something you all need to really pursue. Um, you know, for example, I always like, think about, like, what, would do, what do we spend money on? And then what do we really spend money for our future and yes. for us? You know, yes. that's kind of where it always kind of comes back yes. to. Where are we putting value? Like, right. we, do, we don't put value in our health a lot of times. We don't. We do love to go shopping and go out <laughs> with our friends, but you can't do any of that if you're sick. Right. Or so our definitely hair and nails our hair and, our and nails. And all of that stuff is like. It all adds up for that month. Yeah. And I'm thinking, uh, yeah. No, and my goal is like, if I can make you healthy from within, oh, maybe you, you won't need all that other, yeah. those highlighters and 
you know, all that, all those treatments <laughs> and everything to like get you yeah. to glow, you know? So yeah, think of it as an investment yeah. in your health. And the it's investment. honestly, it's not, it's not a lot compared to a lot of things we spend money on that don't exactly. serve us, you know, um, and are temporary. And, you know, I think, I think the, the long-term payoff is just that you'll avoid hopefully some of those more costly you know, healthcare issues down the road. And those of you ladies who love to create those FOMO experiences on Instagram, you can't create them if you're not healthy. Yeah, it's the basis of <laughs> so everything. So go and see your doctor, get checked, make sure you follow your your um, your doctor's recommendations. If you are feeling sick, you're not feeling like you're well and something's happening, something doesn't feel right, trust your gut and go see mm -hmm. someone. Um, whether it's Dr. Singh or somebody else, we go see them. You know, for me, it's been like a slow improvement. Like even just starting with you in January, I stopped mm -hmm. drinking as much. Like it's like mm -hmm. a 75% decrease for mm -hmm. me. And it's, I never thought I would do that. Mm -hmm. But because I'm taking on my health so seriously that I felt like it's something I have to do. It's a commitment to myself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's made a difference. Like mm -hmm. it's really made a difference for me. And, and slowly but surely, I know it's only month three, but I'm feeling really good about, you know, how my skin looks now, how, yeah. you know, everything about me, my personality, my attitude, yeah. my, I, I was always so bloated, but, mm -hmm. you know, because I love to socialize. I'm, I'm an extrovert. I'm socializing all the time yeah. and I'm out networking, doing things all the time. But that in itself, just cutting back on something like that, mm -hmm. such a big improvement. But I think it was because I went to see you that mm -hmm. you kind of said, you don't have to completely give it up. You just have to, you know, really mm -hmm. moderate it and, you know, really get it under control and, mm -hmm. and see how you feel. And mm -hmm. honestly, just my feeling and the way that I've, I've approached life now, it's really in a way where like, you know what, I need to really take care of me because yeah. I can't take care of anybody else if I don't do it. Yeah. I mean, that's the realization I want my patients to come to. And I, and I feel like just, you know, investing in the membership and taking that step yes. is the first, you know, line in the sand that's like nope this is important like i am important my health is important yes i am important mm -hmm. i love that we're gonna end with that and thank you so much dr singh i appreciate you being here and giving us some of your input and just sharing with us you know your little um your trajectory yeah what what got you here and where what's where it's leading and so i look forward to letting everybody know remember your discount code is vibes by alicia mm -hmm. fifty dollars off for mm -hmm. the first first month, month of membership, membership. Mm -hmm. i love that thank you so much dr singh thank you You guys, I want to introduce to you my skincare expert, Natalia Castile. Everyone wants to know how in the world do I have the most gorgeous, beautiful skin? Yeah, thank you very much. I know. And it is because of her. Natalia Castile is my go-to skincare specialist. She takes care of me. And I'm telling you, you guys will love her. You will find her at the ACPS. It is the Aesthetic Center for plastic surgery. And if you really, really want to know more about them, you can visit them at their website, ACPS Plastic Surgery. It is a med spa that I love to go to. It's so easy just calling in and say, I need to set up an appointment for my facial with Natalia. And they take care of me immediately in and out. They take care of skin rejuvenation. They do something called derma infusion. They do cool sculpting, and Natalia does all of that. She's also taking care of my laser needs. Like, she does laser reduction for me, and I swear to you, people say, oh, it's painful. She makes it so painless. 
love, love, love her. So if you need to find out more about how you can get great skin, follow her at her Instagram, Natalia Castile, at Natalia Castile. You will not regret it. I will give you guys all the details, and she will take care of you. I promise you she will do a great job for your skin. You will not regret it, and you will have the best skin of 2022.